Welcome, dear friends, to the Brattlecast. This is Jordan Rich, along with the owner of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, Ken Gloss. Here we welcome stories about books, old, rare, and out of print, the people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them. This is a first-hand look at second-hand books and more, and not just books, but magazines. And today, Ken, we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite magazine with yellow border, the National Geographic. And we have a question from a listener to the podcast. How do I know if my National Geographics have any value? And if so, what do I do with them at that point? Well, I particularly like that question because that's one that comes up over and over and over again. It's one of those things that people go, do they have any value? Because first of all, so many people have them up in their Mm -hmm. attic or down in the basement or on the bookshelves. If they're up in the attic and you have all of them, make sure you have good support for the attic. It's right. (laughs) Very stackable too. Very stackable. the, the the reality is there are definitely people who collect National Geographic magazines, but there are only a tiny, tiny percentage that actually are valuable. National Geographic started in 1888. So what's that, 133 years ago something or something? Like that, yeah. And when it first came out, <clears throat> there were very, very few copies. And it was not the travel log that we know now but it was more of a scientific geographical magazine, mm-hmm. very serious. And the uh, and it's interesting, that first issue is very hard to get. Most of them went to libraries. Most of them were sent out free, actually, because they had a new magazine. They wanted different libraries around the country to subscribe to them. And one of the things they thought they'd do is send out a sample, basically. The first issue in perfect shape can sell for five or $10,000. I mean, it is valuable, but there are only nine, 900 of them, something like that. And an interesting thing about collecting geographics, the second and third and fourth issues are actually harder to get and rarer because on the second, third and fourth issues, they didn't send out the free one. So there were actually less. But up until about 1910, National Geographic's have some value. Uh, And the reason for that is they were still pretty much up until 1910, a geographical scientific magazine. Around 1910, they made that change from being a geographical magazine scientific to being more of a travel log. And (laughs) the um, subscription rate went from thousands to tens and hundreds of thousands. And slowly over the years, it kept increasing and increasing and increasing. Uh, And so now sometimes there's a million of them that come out. And I can assure you pretty much that magazine that comes out in the millions, they're not gonna be terribly valuable. Another thing about collecting geographics that come up many times with libraries when we get called in is it was a very common practice for libraries, when they had magazines, they'd get them in, and then either once a year or every six months, they would have them bound in a book form. But what they usually did when they bound them is they would take the covers off, they would take the ads out, and then they'd bind them so they were much smaller. They didn't take up as much shelf space. And if you're a real collector of National Geographics, you want the original issues right. in with the covers, with the advertising, Advertising sometimes can be as much fun as the articles. Absolutely. The other thing to be careful of with National Geographics is they did put out 
reprints of the first uh, years up to about 1907 or eight. The main reason Geographic did that was so many libraries subscribed to them after they became popular in 1910, but the library wanted a full set of them. So they put out uh, reprints and the reprints are really hard to tell from the originals. So that's something you got to watch out for. But as time went on, people subscribe and subscribe. And, and then recently, another thing happened is they were all released digitally. So now the libraries don't need them as much. People who have them in their attics, maybe this cleaning out the estate from their parents or grandparents, they go up and they find walls of geographics and they call us up and they go, what do, you, what do we do with them? And I say, well, if they're before 1910, we'll, we'll come right out and we'll be over. And, and especially if they're the single issues, we can pay a really good price. If they're after 1910, good luck with be trying to even give them away. I remember collecting the magazine when I was a kid in the 60s and 70s. I had, you know, hundreds of issues. Are there any standout covers or issues over the decades that were particularly meaningful that might have more value besides the the early ones? Uh, well, there were some issues that people particularly liked. There were there were some on insignia, military insignia. Mm -hmm. So all the military people liked them and they were beautifully colored. There also was a special issue on flags, flags of the world. Now these were back in the 20s and 30s, but they were beautifully colored, showing all of the flags, so the flag collectors really wanted them. Uh, but even that's dropped off now because, again, if you wanted that information on what flags look like, you can now go online and you find it easily. Uh, also, uh, we also get called for National Geographics occasionally. We'll tell people because they had them uh, in these, they had very nice leather-bound cases you could put them in. Mm -hmm. Well, those cases look really good on the shelves, whether they have the geographics in them or not. And every once in a while, we've had people want to get them. And we had one person in particular, uh, we had them on the shelves. They liked the way they looked. They thought it would look good in their library. Uh, they had a lot of shelf space to fill, uh, but they lived out of state. So they bought them all and they said, just send the cases. It's too expensive to send all the magazines. So they're actually buying them, saying, I don't want the magazines, but the cases look good on the shelf. So we so you know, they bought them and we dealt with the cases. Another thing that actually that we're getting a number of people coming in for is artists will sometimes come in now and say, Do you have any old geographics? Because they know they're cheap, they know they don't cost much. They know that almost every bookstore or library that gets them is trying to get rid of them, but they want to do like collages. They want to do sort of artwork mm. where they can cut them up and uh, find interesting pictures and scenes all around the world or fishes or nature or whatever. So we actually get collage artists and artists of different types buying them. I mean, they're paying. We almost would be willing. We don't quite do this. But if someone says, you know, how much are they? We'll say, well, they're, they're a dollar or so. We'll say, but if you take 20, maybe we'll charge you 50 cents. <laughs> you know? and, and I'm not saying 50 cents each. I'm saying 
50 cents for the if lot. you take them all. One, one of the things I remember so distinctly, of course, was the inclusion of maps, which is, again, something that people don't even think about anymore because of GPS and all the other things we used to find. Pl- but those maps were beautiful back then. Well, actually, when there are people who just collect the National Geographic maps. And, and, and again, when you get back into the teens, early ones, some of those maps, as map collectors, they were some of the most detailed geographical mm. uh, maps on sometimes very small areas of the world. And people collect them because they want them. They hang them on their walls. They frame them, yeah. If, if they're interested. Uh, but... What we do, again, another thing that people wouldn't necessarily think about, but we do this uh, occasionally, is if we get a whole batch of National Geographics, uh, we'll either, if we can, if the people say we don't have to take them out of the house, we'll leave them, but we'll thumb through and pull all the maps out. And then we put them in a box at the store. The maps are a dollar each. And for years, people would pick them out because oh, maybe there was a nice map showing the migration of the, in Africa of the animals, or there'd be a nice map on the Antarctic or Arctic. You know, they, they were really interesting. But then a few years ago, what we found was a lot of college students, and uh, particularly or that age, who were buying the maps. And what they were using for, they said they make great wrapping paper. <laughs> I love it. The map I had and saved for a long time was a not an earthly map, but a map of the lunar surface. It was right around 1969 or 70. And I remember how beautiful it was. I mean, artistic quality of that stuff. So what you're saying is maybe there's no monetary value beyond what they sold for, but there's a lot of sentimentality and a lot of great detail in artwork and photography that's in play. Oh, it, it, they're fabulous. Uh, again, when people call and say, are they of any value? I have to go on and, and explain. Well, if you have them prior to 1910, let's really talk about it because they really can be valuable. They're also, uh, when you get into the very, very early issues, there were also a lot of advertising brochures for National Geographic. There were ads that came out. So when people are really collecting National Geographics, they not only want the uh, early issues, but they want all the advertising material. And National Geographic also put out books. And they started putting out those books in the teens. Mm. And some of those books on uh, some of the areas that they went through are very much collectible. Again, when you started getting into the 1960s, 70s, 80s, those books are great but they put them out by the millions. Uh, so not so terribly valuable. The, the most valuable thing we find now <coughs> on the newer National Geographics is kids love the maps. People love the maps because they make great wrapping paper. Oh, we'll keep that in mind for the holiday season. It's perfect. Well, you know, when you think about it, though, you, you get this gift and it's wrapped in Africa or it's wrapped oh, in it's, North Oh, it's so Florida. clever, yeah. And, and it's also, a, when you think about the size of it, when you go to a card shop and you buy a sheet of wrapping paper, these are about the same size as the sheet of wrapping paper. So they're absolutely perfect. They're high quality paper, so they don't rip easily. Now, you can rip them off when you're opening the package. But uh, it's interesting how, and this is something that comes up every once in a while with the 
older books and things is something came out originally with a certain purpose or, or function. And then 20, 30, 50 years later, it's still love, but for a totally and completely different reason and a different function. But when you think about it, it makes sense. It does make sense. And you make sense and tell a great story about National Geographic and so much more. But the Brattlecast, by the way, is interactive in the sense that we love questions from you. Go to brattlebookshop.com and uh, Ken will answer questions whether we take them on air or off. And uh, there you go. I'm going to think about all those stackable National Geographics I had. Luckily, we kept them in the basement, so we didn't risk the uh, floor or the ceiling caving in. But I remember how many we had. Great stuff, Ken. Great stuff. Well, and also, too, if, you, if your gym membership, if you're afraid of going to the gym right now, just carry a stack of National Geographics up and down the stairs with you. You'll get a workout. You I s- assure you. You ought to see the biceps on all the staff members at the Brattle. Catch you next time. This is the Brattlecast. Take care. Thank you. 